Good morning again. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about several things and interrelated, I believe, um, that we should be growing, and we're growing. Our foundation, obviously, is Jesus Christ, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and He's also the chief cornerstone, the guide, uh, the truth that we guide, that guides our lives, that raising up the building. We're all being built a temple uh, for Him. Amen? And, and also that you know, we're growing, right? We're going from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. It's, this, it's His Spirit that um, in us, giving us, empowering us, and, and we have, and we're walking in the Spirit, and we have the fruit of the Spirit, and, and so on and so forth. And we talked about faith. Obviously, m- all of us in here know what the definition of faith is. A very clear one is given in Hebrews 11.1. 1. We discussed that, and, and you know, what the implications are. To, to walk in the Spirit, to walk by faith. Also, we, we're in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, we're walking according to the spiritual aspect of who we are in Christ Jesus, what we get from Him, His example, His Word, everything. And we have such faith and such confidence that our life shows evidence that even though we haven't realized it in the senses yet, we're walking according to what He has told us. Our, our walk shows that we believe something that we might not necessarily have experienced yet in the natural, but supernaturally, we already have experienced it. Are you with me? Okay, that's, that's the part of the definition of faith. And so last week, no, I can't say that. It was two weeks ago when we were together in this building. We talked about these spiritual blessings that we have in the heavenly places. Today, the foundational scripture is also going to be out of Ephesians. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Ephesians. And then even last week, when we were at uh, having fellowship with uh, Water's Edge, it was, I don't think it was any accident that Pastor Rory also taught and preached out of Ephesians. A um, little different uh, you know, in the approach, but he, here's where our foundational scripture is today. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to that power that works in us, to him be all the glory in the church by Christ Jesus forever and ever for all times. Amen. Amen. See, we're familiar with that scripture because there are many times when I close out our time together uh, with that scripture. And today we're going to really focus in, I, I think the Lord would have us to focus in on that. I just want you to look at a couple of things real quick while we're in this scripture. He who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do far above whatever we can imagine. Now I know that that is like cliche, uh, pe- preachers and people in my position, and even you, you may say it or you've heard it said time and time again, but, but I want you to just really kind of get a hold of that for a minute because there are many smart people, intelligent people in this room. There are many people in this room who have experienced a lot of things, both in the church and out of the church. There are m- many people in this room that are very creative Uh, Very creative, very artistic. I said artistic, not autistic. Very creative, very much sensitive and and have motivations and are able to to create things. But no matter who we are, no matter how intelligent or gifted we are, we can't imagine what God has and what God can do, what God can achieve. We can never imagine that. 
I can imagine some, some really interesting things, but I, I marvel at some of the folks that have created some of the things that we enjoy today. I mean, you think about some of the modern technologies that we have. That, someone had to think about that. Someone had a, and someone maybe was informed by someone else, and then, you know, when they had that information, they built on that. Are you with me? Are you following me? See, see I, why don't we do this? You know, let's just say this. The computer was, was built. That's the first thing that came to mind. I remember when I was in school and I had computer math. You know, we went into this thing and there was a big, I mean, it was, it was ridiculously big and you, know, you had to type things a certain way, nothing like, no mouse and pressing buttons and it was just so totally different. And now, forget about it, we all have computers in our pockets. Can you imagine that? And this is much more powerful than that big monstrosity that uh, I, I had when the first one that I was ever introduced to. The first one we ever had in our home uh, was many years ago uh, in our laundry room or whatever it was. And we had to, every time we turned it on, we had to put discs in it, right? Floppy discs or something. Am I right? Uh, anyway, so now, and you think, that, now someone had the idea to do that. And then someone else built upon that and so on and so forth. But think about it, no matter where we take this thing, and no matter how long God allows us, whatever we can think of, whatever we can imagine, God is, is beyond that. Amen. That's an awesome, awesome thing. It, it just, I really love that about our God. Now, from a couple of weeks ago, I want to take you back just a couple of weeks ago when we were again in Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Where are the blessings? The spiritual blessings, where are they according to the scripture? They're in heavenly places. Where in heavenly places? In Christ. In Christ. So now watch. In heavenly places, that means it's spiritual. So he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It doesn't mean that we have to go to heaven to get there. And I remember the scripture that I gave you to prove that. It's just not my opinion. We have scripture to back that up. But then remember also, those spiritual blessings are in Christ. So in order for us to have these spiritual blessings, in order for us to have that spiritual potential, that full potential, we have to be in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's not Pastor Tony. That's straight out of the Word. Now, I, I want you to hear something real quick. Just listen to me. Uh, it's not going to be on the board. John 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, this is obviously before Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He says he's dwelling with you. He's dwelling with you now, but he will be in you later. Okay? Okay. So now remember, we have to be in Christ to receive the spiritual blessings. And now it looks like the, we know this. I mean, it's, the spirit, it's no big mystery. The Spirit of God will come and has come. Those of us who, have, uh, who are born again has the Spirit of God in us. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the other part, most parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth. See, I want you to think about something now. He's talking about this power. See, the power comes, the power, the spiritual power comes by the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, everybody knows that. But why do you know it? 
How, how do you know it? Because someone like me told you that? If you're a young person, how do you know? Because your parents said that, which is good. It's a good thing. But no, we know it because it's the Word of God. And it only, listen, it will only work for us. It will only really mean something to us. It will only be the zis boom bobby behind our faith if we know that it's the Word of God because I can't have confidence in what another man tells me. God may go ahead and confirm something, his truth, through another man, but the only reason why I can have confidence in, in these things that I believe is because it's the Word of God. Okay? So that's why I bring this to you like I bring it to you. Now, I want you to, to look with me, John chapter 17. This is, uh, as you guys know, because many of you have been with me so long, I always make reference, or I make reference very frequently to John chapter 17, because this truly is the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus praying to the Father when he was in the garden. I do not pray for these alone, beginning in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. See, okay, so now, one of the reasons or one of the things that God is accomplishing through this is that the rest of the world will know that Jesus was truly sent from the Father. See, our, that's part of our responsibility. It's not to preach or to use words, but it's to be one with him, in him, and one united with each other so that the world can see that truly uh, God, Jesus, came from the Father. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. I have given them. The status, the stature, that word is Greek, doxa, the status, the stature, the standing that I have now, I give them. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy. That they may be one just as we are one. Look at verse 23. I in them and you in me. So now watch. Jesus is in us. The Father, the God, God is in you. Big deal, Tony. We, we knew that. Yeah, but really, you know that because he flat out said it. So God is in Jesus. Jesus is in God. God's in us. We're all one. We have now the ability to be in God. And God is in us. And now that's what empowers us. But you have to know that. You have to believe it. Listen, and your walk should give evidence of that. If you really believe it, then you need to walk that way. Okay? Are, are you with me? That's, that's how this stuff works. Now remember this. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, right? For his good pleasure. So it's God, God is in us, Right? I and you, remember what Jesus prayed. We have total confidence and this makes, this absolutely, spiritually, this should absolutely not hold anybody back. There should be no doctrinal differences between any believer who names the name of Christ who is truly born again. God is in us and we're in him. But the purpose of God being in me and me in him is to work according to his good pleasure. It's to do what he has willed. Correct? It's not so that I have all of these, uh, these great and wonderful gifts and I have these charisma gifts and I have this fruit. All of that is important. But ultimately, all of those things are, are used for his purpose, right? Amen. 
Okay, I, I know that you know this, and, and please believe me. I was in an, uh, I had the occasion to be in another pulpit um, last Sunday night, and then again this Wednesday, and I said the same thing to them because there were actually um, elders and 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 pastor staff in the congregation, and I and I brought such some of similar to what I'm bringing you today, but some not, but. I brought such a rudimentary message, such an elementary message. And, and the reason why, my brothers and sisters, is, listen, I can stand up here and I could say a lot of things and try to dazzle you with new revelation and try to teach you. And, and if the Lord wills, that, that's what will happen. You'll come in here and we'll, we'll study some deeper things of God and all this. But, but what good would that be? What good would that do if we can't remember the message, remember the message, be faithful in the little things? See, we, we've got to really know this and grasp this and walk this way. My, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. That's what truly grows the church. Amen. See, we can fill buildings, but to truly grow the church, this is what has to happen. Amen? Amen? Okay. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do. So God is working His will in me. So now let me ask you, the question today, my brothers and sisters, is what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? There you go. That makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? Hallelujah. I was wondering why, forgive me, but when I looked out there, I saw some faces out there. So, what happened? Did I spill something? Okay, so what are you willing to do? So now we're going to go back to John 4. Remember when Jesus was at the well and he met the Samaritan woman. And remember, um, you know, it, he sent the apostles, his, his apostles in to go get food so that they could eat. And he has this, this, um, this, this, this conversation with this woman, the Samaritan woman. And we know he tells her her, his, her whole life. And then she goes back in uh, to town to get everybody, and she's going to bring everybody back. And, and when, she, you know, when his disciples come, come walking back up with the food, they're seeing that he's speaking to the Samaritan woman, and they're kind of, wow, what's that all about kind of thing, you know? But uh, you know, they didn't mention anything to him. They just wanted him to eat. So I'm going to pick it up here in verse 31 of John chapter 4. In the meantime, his disciples urge him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him out anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, so now watch. This is, again, very elementary, very simple. Um, If I'm a born-again Christian, I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. Not only that, God, the whole Godhead bodily is in me. Right? Okay, so now That means Jesus is in me. Jesus, listen, he's saying what keeps me going, what energizes me, what what gives me the sustenance, what, what is my food, what is my source, is to do the will of him who sent me. So now, if he's in me, I'm in him. We know the definition of grace is what I've given to you several times back there in Philippians 2. So that means, listen, we should be doing the will of the Father. But isn't that so simple? It, there should be no, absolutely no uh, doubt, no discussion, no differences in doctrines, no matter which church you belong to or anything like that. It's just purely 
doing the will of the Father. John 5, I'm going to rattle off a couple of things to you. John 5.30, I can of myself, this is Jesus, do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 6.38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Mark 3.35, whoever does the will of God is my brother, my mother, my sister, I want to I point something out to you. In this situation, Jesus was ministering and some of his disciples came up to say, hey, your mother and your brothers were here. They're here. And, and that's what his response was. His response, whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, my mother. You're his relative. If you're doing the will of God, you, you're his brother, his sister. You're his relative. So, I want to give you, I know some of you are a little bit bored when I just rattle off these scriptures to you. That's the foundation. That's what, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Here's the case study. Peter. Peter's a good case study. Remember in Matthew and in Mark as well, Peter, he's the only one who got out of the boat. What's the circumstance? Circumstances are there's a contrary sea. There's winds and the seas. See, Jesus sends them on his way while he's praying. And so that Jesus now is going to catch up with them and he's walking and these guys are scared out of their minds. And then Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. And so Peter, being being Peter, he says, if that is you, let me come to you. Okay, come on. So he steps out of the boat. We know this story. I've used it. You've, you've studied it yourself. We know the story. And so the wind and the waves rise up. Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. And, and so the lesson in that is, you know, take your eyes off of Jesus. But now let's think about this. Did Jesus say to Peter, come on out here? No. Peter said, if that is you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But if that is you, let me come to you. Okay, come on. All right, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try this. I'm going to try. I'm going to dabble in this just a little bit. I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see how this works. Uh Uh-oh, there's still winds and waves. It ain't working. Right? Right? Why did you doubt, Jesus? Why did you doubt? Okay? But see, Jesus didn't call him. You know, it, this, is, this is a work of Peter's will. Peter wants to do something. Why did Peter, if that's you, let me come to you. I'm going to prove to these guys that that's you. Or I want to really prove, I really want to know if that's really you because I'm going to put you to the test now. If that's really you, then, I'm, then, then let me come to you. What, what was his motivation? I, I don't know. Can't, don't know. But it makes for a good teaching, a good lesson for us. But that was, part, whatever his motivation was in that moment, it didn't work out. And we know there's another one in Mark 8. In Mark 8, Jesus is saying, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say you're one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter speaks up. And Peter says, we say that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And we know that Jesus pronounces over him, you know, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but this is a revelation. This is Rama. This is a revelation from my father, which is in heaven. And then Jesus begins to speak to them and tells them about the things that he's going to suffer, right? He tells them, don't tell anybody that you know this. 
Don't tell anybody that you know this. But he begins to teach them from that point on about the things that he's going to suffer. And then as he's saying that, you know, Peter kind of grabs him aside. He says, no, far be it from you. That's not going to happen. Listen to what he, I, I, I wrote, I, you need to hear this, in Mark 8.33, but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. See, Jesus is saying, this is the will. This is why I'm here. This is part of, this is what's going to happen. This has to happen. Peter is saying, no, far be it from you. Now, was Peter totally evil in that? No, his, his affection was for Jesus. He didn't want to see his rabbi, his teacher suffer. Obviously, his affections were, it was, it was positive. But look at what Jesus says. That's the, no. See, you're mindful of the things of man, not what God's will is all about, not what God's purpose is about. See, I know you have also suffered this in your own life where you know that you, know, you have some affections or you have some of these things that, that, that you really have an affection for. And I'm not talking about you know, just a relationship with someone from the opposite sex. I'm not thinking about you know, a material possession. But what about even sometimes your own children? You know what's best for your children, but you don't want to cause them to be upset or you don't want to, to cause them to uh, be emotionally upset. You, so so you, sometimes you give in. or some, it, it's, it's difficult sometimes. You don't want to see your children hurt. You don't want to see your children upset. And sometimes you, 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 you give them, you, you compromise a little bit. I've, I've done that. You're not mindful of what the will of God is. You're more concerned with the affections of, of men, what seems right to you, what, what makes sense to you. Matthew 26. This is, um, Jesus is talking about when he's arrested and he says, all of you will be made to stumble. All of you will be made to stumble. But then Peter uh, speaks up. He says, even if everybody else abandons you, I won't. Peter even says, I'm ready to be arrested and die with you. And that's when Jesus said, before the, the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. But look, Peter spoke right up. He's, he's bold. And we know what happened. Just as Christ said, that's what happened. John 21. After after Jesus has already risen, he's already appeared to them three times at least that we know of. But Jesus hasn't ascended to heaven. He was on earth for 40 days after he came out of that grave. He was on earth for 40 days. And so he, the third time. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now we already know that Christ called him. And he said, you're going to be a fisher of men. You're going to follow me. Your life is totally different now. Your purpose, your calling, everything is different. But Peter says, I'm going fishing. You know what? We can surmise and, and, and we can look at it. What their thought of what would happen when their Christ, when their Messiah came, especially when he came up out of that grave, that he would be the Davidic king. Maybe Peter had that in mind. And maybe Peter thought, well, we're going to reign and rule with him now. Maybe that's what Peter thought. So now that's not happening like they expected. So now Peter's saying, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back. Listen, I, how I, I need to make a living. 
I'm going to go back and make the living. I'm going to go back and do what, what's familiar to me. I'm going back. I'm going back to what my source was. Are, are you with me? And, and, they, and they went, well, yeah, we're going with you. We're going with you. See, he was mindful of the things according to his earthly nature. Mindful of the thing, his will, not what God willed. God, he already knew what God's will for him was. What? To be a fisher of men. To be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He already knew that. Jesus told him. Also in 21, when Peter and Jesus are having this conversation, you know, when, that's when, Peter's, uh, when Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. And they go back and forth. You, you're familiar with that. As they're talking, you know, John, the apostle John, is kind of listening and he's come, kind of walking with him or he's in close proximity. And so, uh, what about this man, Peter says? Jesus says, if he remains until I come back, what's that to you? Why did I bring that up? See, because look at Peter is sitting there face to face with Christ. Christ is saying to him, if you love me, do this. He's giving him instruction. He's telling him, he also told me, when you return, listen, when you, when, when you come back to me, strengthen your brothers. He's giving him, he's telling him what God's will is for him from that time forward. He's telling him exactly what to do. And, and so Peter, being like a human being, being like a man, an earthly man concerned with his thing, his position compared to others. What about this man? What's that to you? What's that to you if he remains until I come back? It's got nothing to do with you. So I, I see that. Do, do, do you see where that is? Do you see Peter? You know, he's walked and talked with Christ for three years. He saw the risen Savior, but he still has this thing where he's concerned with the natural and he's not fully inflamed by the supernatural. But something happened on, in Acts chapter 2. He, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And we know what happened on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. But see, it, it, he needed that power down on the inside of him, just like you and I need the power down on the inside of us. You see, my brothers and sisters, so many people that, that struggle with their faith. We cannot have a form of godliness and deny the power and expect to succeed. And that power comes through the, listen, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we, we, we get that power because he's coming in us. Because look at, remember, Jesus in us. God in Jesus, Jesus in God, and them in us. How does that happen? It has to be spiritual. It has to be spiritual, obviously. And it's not one of these things, you know, you go into a trance, your eyes roll back in your head. And, no. No. You receive his word. You walk in his word. The spirit, my brothers and sisters, you, you've, you've come to that area, that place of repentance. And, 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 you, and you go to him and you say, Jesus, I, I, I want you. I, I see now that, you know, as good as I think I can be, as good as I am, I treat everybody well, I do the right thing, I go to work every day, everything's hunky-dory, but no matter what, no matter what, there's still that thought that you had. You still lusted 
or you still had a bad thought against somebody when they cut you off on the highway. There's st- come on now. And that, that, my brothers and sisters, that, that's all it takes to separate you from God. You still, listen, you still got, you, man, it welled up in you. You lost your temper. Well, you know, everybody does and all. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what everybody does. It matters what God says. God's standard is here. And the only way that I can try to, to be on that road, the only way that I can be empowered is to have his spirit inside of me. Listen, giving me the check. Remember that, um, where, where's, the, where, where's the guide? Where's your, where's your compass? Where are your passions? Remember that message? Where are your passions? What are you passionate about? Unless you're passionate about the things of God, I mean, you're still passionate about the things of the flesh, you're going to be led by your flesh. And if you're led by your flesh, my brothers and sisters, you're not going to succeed. So you've got to be led by the Spirit. That's the only way that we can please God. It's the only way we have faith is by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so now watch. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this same Peter, who denied Christ three times, after he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have all of these people mocking them. What's happening? What's going on? And you have all of these people in, in um, Jerusalem for the holiday. And there are just people from all over, and it's packed, and it's crowded. And you have all these religious people. And remember, that's a theocracy. It's not just their church. It's, it's everything. They, they live their lives according to the law of Moses. And so he stands up in the middle of this whole Thing that's going on, this, this whole circumstance, this whole situation where you have all different peoples, all different languages, all different opinions. And he stands up and he preaches Christ Jesus. And he preaches under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't preaching in tongues. He was probably speaking in Aramaic. And everybody, he's preaching and teaching and they're receiving and they're pricked to their hearts, the Bible teaches us. The Bible says they were cut to the hearts. They heard what he said and it had an effect on the inside of them. And it's, what must we do? What must must we do? Be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus. Well, okay, why is that a big deal? So what are you saying, Tony? You can't... No, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to people who are in Jerusalem who are, listen, who believe in the Old Testament law, the Old Testament... They're, they're not... Jesus is not there. They're still looking for their Messiah. In fact, they're still telling everybody about this Jesus who was a heretic. Now he's standing up in front of all of them in the middle of them, not caring about who he says what to, and he's flat out telling them, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to believe that Jesus is exactly who he said he was and live according to what he's told us. That's huge. <laughs> I would, like, would, would any of you walk into a synagogue? Oh, I know some of you would. It would be like walking into a synagogue and saying, hey, you know, you need to believe in Christ Jesus. God, you're his chosen people. Your Messiah has already come. And you'll probably get, you'll get more than just a stink eye. I'm going to tell you that right now. This was worse then. This was worse for him than doing that. Only you think you're going to just get thrown out of the synagogue. So now, in Acts chapter 4, the same Peter same Peter. Remember, he and John, they healed the, 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 the lame man who was at the temple gate, beautiful. Then they start preaching. They're preaching in the portico. And then they get arrested. Now, they got to stand before the Sanhedrin. 
The same Peter who denied Christ three times, the same Peter who was weak in his flesh, he now stands before the same body that had Jesus arrested and crucified. He's now standing in front of that same body and he's preaching Jesus to him. And they're commanding him. Well, you know, they, they obviously they, they were, their hands were tied because obviously this miracle had taken place. If they just go ahead and, and just really brutalize these guys, you know, the, the crowd's going to go wild. So they're telling them, you know, don't preach in that, that name anymore. But here's a line. Here's, here's two verses that I want you to get a hold of. In Acts 4, 13 and 14, listen to what it says. This is saying this of the Sanhedrin. Now, when they saw, the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. There was an effect that the Holy Spirit, the power from within, Jesus within them, changed everything. Changed everything. It changed how they talked. It didn't change their physical appearance as it relates to the clothes that they wore. They could probably tell by the clothes that they wore where they came from, Galilee or whatever. They could probably tell you know, what class of people they were as it related to socioeconomics because of how they dressed, what they looked like, probably their haircuts and their beards. They could probably look at them and do what we do so many times is just judge somebody by the outward appearance. They were probably just, but then when they see this boldness, they see something, something different. There's something down on the inside of these men. They're standing there in front of the same body that has all authority over them, the same body that had Jesus crucified, and they're willing to say exactly what the Holy Spirit would have them to say. And they marveled. They were amazed. And the only thing they could do was just command them not to speak and preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And then Peter still had the last word. You tell me. Is it better for us to listen to you or should we listen to God? I think we should listen to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Same Peter. Same Peter. He's now, he's, 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 he's up on the roof praying and meditating and he's waiting for food to be prepared. He's obviously hungry and you know, the, this is when he falls into this and he sees this vision of the sheet being lowered and all types of uh, unclean animals that the Jewish law tells them that they're not supposed to eat. And he sees it, and he sees it. The second time it comes down, he says, and, and he hears the voice, and the Lord is telling him, take, kill, and eat. He says, no, no, Lord, I never, touched, I, I never touched the common thing. And then the Lord told him, do not call that which I have cleaned common. At the same time, we know that Cornelius, my, one of my probably about my third, fourth favorite character in the Bible, only for one reason, Italian. <laughs> Cornelius of the Italian band, he's a centurion. He's, 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 he's in the Roman, he's part of the Roman army. But he has a heart for God and he treats the Jews very well. He's been proselytized and he just, he, he believes in God. His heart is for God and he's doing everything he knows to serve God. And, he's, and it says that his alms were brought before the Lord as a memorial. So the Lord sent an angel to speak to him and the angel says, go, go send your men. Go get, send for Simon uh, Peter and he's at the, and I said Simon because he's at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Go send for Peter. He's at the house of Simon uh, the Tanner. And so he does it. He being 
Cornelius, he does just what the angel of the Lord asks him to do. And so he does that. So while Peter's hearing from God on the top of the building, uh, Cornelius is hearing from God while he's in prayer. And so now Peter, he receives this word from the Lord, and it's just an awesome thing. Well, uh, in Acts 10, I'm going to go 19 right now, 19 through 1. While Peter uh, thought about the vision that he saw, the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, God the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Ha, ah, hallelujah, it's up there. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he who you seek. Hallelujah. Doubting nothing. Yes, I am he who you seek. Peter, the same one who denied him, now is paying attention to the Spirit. He now he's, you see what's going on? He's not worried anymore. He's not even concerned now. Listen, he's not even concerned. He's going to go to this man's house. And we know what happens. He goes to Cornelius' house. Now his law says that it's not even legal for him to go into the house. That it's sinful for him to go into a Gentile's house. But not only did he go into the house, but he preached. And when he, when he taught and he preached to them, God baptized them with the Holy Spirit. And so that Peter baptized them in water. Why? He said, how can I not baptize them in water when God gave them the same gift that he gave us? God gave them the Holy Spirit. How could I deny them baptism by water or in water? Because he got an earful from the other apostles. Because he, after he did all that, guess what? They had a fellowship dinner. They ate together. And they, the other apostles gave him a hard time. You ate with the Gentiles? And so that's when he said, how could I not? God blessed them. So now it's apparent to me that God means this word, this word of salvation, this gospel is not just for us, it's for the Gentiles as well. Come on now. So Peter, not, not worried about anything, just listening and obeying the will of God. Go to Cornelius' house. Everything in him was probably screaming. I'm not supposed to do this. I haven't done this my whole life. I worried about this all my life. I've been taught this since I've been knee-high to a grasshopper, not to go into a Gentile's house. I can't eat with them. Are you kidding me? I'm going to eat with them? Come on now. Everything in him is screaming that that's not what's supposed to happen, but God said, do it, doubting nothing. So he obeyed the will of God. But now look in, in um, Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read in verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. You see that? You see what's growing the church? They didn't have a band. They didn't have pizza parties. They didn't throw Easter eggs out of helicopters. No, 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 I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm really not. And I'm not trying to defame anybody who does those things. That's up to them. No, I, I'm, I'm really not. I'm not criticizing anybody. But look, at this is the way God did it. Now, let me ask you something. If it worked back then, will it work now? Yes, it, will. it absolutely will. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, forever. Yeah, but this is a different culture, Tony. That was a way different culture. God is the same. God is the same. So they all bought, uh, listen to this, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter 
passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Did that happen? Yes. It absolutely happened. How do you know that? Well, listen, if you don't think, well, you know, that, and that died with them. No, these signs shall follow those that believe. The gift, the Holy Spirit, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for your children's children, and for all those who are afar off. He, again, he's speaking chronology. He's not speaking geography. He's speaking chronology. All those who are far off means you and me. That means those gifts, those, that power is still supposed to be working among us. What's happening? Are we in one mind and one accord? Are we obeying the will of God? Is that what's the most important thing to us? Are our passions, remember that message now, is our passion compass fixed in the right place? Do we have passion for the right things? Come on. Right? Because I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you show me the scripture where I'm wrong, and I'll get up here in this pulpit and I'll admit to everyone that I'm wrong. But if it worked back then, it should work now. The Lord will add to the church daily those who are being saved. He can add to the church. We can add to the church using a business model. We can add to a church. We can have people sitting in church. But we can't add to the church those who are being saved unless the Lord does it because He's the one who saves, not us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, my brothers and sisters, that brings me back to the foundational scripture. And we're almost done, so hang on. Back in Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now him, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, his power. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with him. Amen. According to that power that now resides in me. The, listen, there is no limitation to what God can do in you and through you. Right? But listen... I'm, I'm looking at what the Scripture's teaching me, and the Scripture's teaching me that it all depends on what am I willing to do. Amen. What am I willing to do? What are you willing to do? You know, when I was considering this and, and meditating on this message, you, you ever see that movie, The Un Untouchables? Okay, I like the PG version. I don't like the four-letter words. I'm just going to say that right now. So if you go, don't rent the movie. Make sure you wait till it's on TV. But it's, it's, uh, it's a uh, narrative of Elliot Ness, right? So now you remember, Elliot Ness was with, what is it, the Treasury Department? It's not, he won't do the FBI, Treasury Department or whatever it was. But, but he's, he's going after Al Capone. Al Capone, a real-life figure. Elliot Ness is a real-life figure. But now watch. I, there's, there's a couple of scenes, but the one scene is where... Um, Sean Connery's character, he's like Jimmy Malone or something like this. Anybody, somebody help me out here. Am I, am I on the right track? So he's trying to, he being, he's on the Chicago police force. This is where this takes place. Uh, Al Capone's headquartered in Chicago and all this. And he's, he, he's on the Chicago police force. And so Elliot Ness is a federale. He's, he's with the Treasury Department of the United States. And so he, he, he has this conversation. And he's trying to get, he being Elliot Ness, is trying to get Jimmy Malone to work with him. He said, I, I want to get him. I want to get Al Capone. And so now listen to what uh, Jimmy Malone says. What are you prepared to do? Well, I'm prepared to do anything. This is Elliot, and I'm prepared to do anything within the law. I'm sworn to get him. I've got to get him. I'm sworn to get him. And I'm willing to do anything within the law. Jimmy Malone. What are you prepared to do? What are you willing to do? 
How bad do you want that? What are you willing to do? And then he tells them about the Chicago way. Hey, they come at you with a knife, you go after them with a gun. You remember that? Anybody remember that? Come on, help me out, somebody. They send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of yours to the morgue. Anybody remember that? Can a brother or sister help me out, please? Thank you. Now listen, I know you're in church and you're trying to be all holy and stuff. I never saw the movie. I don't watch that stuff. Baloney. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, but listen, I'm not trying to be, listen, let's get, back, let's get the spirit back in here. No, but think about that for a minute. This is just an illustration now. That, and he says, that's the Chicago way. You really want to get him? This is what you have to do. Forget what you think. Forget what comes, seems right to you. There's a different way. Come on now. Do you see that? Are you, what are you willing to do? What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? Now, you remember that one scene at the end when uh, they send somebody to, it's close to the end, when they send somebody to assassinate Sean Connery's character? And he's on the floor bleeding to death and all that. And he's trying to let Elliot Ness know, you know, it's, he's on this train. The, the guy you're looking for is on this train. Anybody remember this? Please, somebody help me out. I feel like I'm on an island over here. Come on. <laughs> somebody say, yeah, I remember. Okay. No. But think about it. So now he's dying and he, he can't hardly speak or anything like that. And he's, uh, you can see the passion that he has. And he, he, no, not that. He goes to this chain, this key that he had as a police officer. No, not that. You know, he, he gets this train schedule. He's on this train. And then he, with his last breath, he's saying, what are you prepared to do? You remember that? Hey, Mitch, I, help me out, Mitch. Come on. <laughs> Mitch, I am so glad you came today. I'm <laughs> Somebody is at least affirming, I am not crazy. My mother had me tested. No. <laughs> I, listen, what are you prepared to do? He's looking, listen, this is your passion. You want to get him? Okay, what are you willing to do? My brothers and sisters, we want to serve God with everything we are. We want that power that we have in us. Listen, 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 listen. Peter, he went from that person that did things his own way, a strong-minded, strong-willed, wanted to be in front of everybody. He went from that person to, look, um, he, it doesn't even say that Peter stopped and laid hands on people. He's just walking down the street, minding his own business. Now, the Bible doesn't say specifically if the the shadow landed on the people if they got healed. The Bible doesn't say that specifically. But we do know this, that there were handkerchiefs that touched Paul's body. Those handkerchiefs were taken to sick people and they were healed. We do also know this, that a woman that had an issue of blood for many years spent her fortune, everything she had, and then she went ahead and violated her law, the, the law, social law, religious law, and she was unclean and she went out into the crowd, which she was not supposed to do, and she certainly wasn't supposed to touch the tassel or the hem of the rabbi's garment, but she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. I don't care what uh, everybody else thinks. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care about social mores. I don't care about the rules and regs. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't care what I look like. I don't care if I embarrass myself or I embarrass somebody else. I don't want you embarrassed. I really don't. But listen, my brothers and sisters, if me spitting and spewing, if me passionately telling you what the word of God says, especially to my family, if that embarrasses you, I'm sorry, that's not my intention. 
No, 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 no. With everything in me, I want everybody to be saved. I want everybody to be whole. I want our children to hear the truth and not be led away, astray, and go the wrong way. Uh, I especially don't want anybody to stand in front of the Lord when they're supposed to give an account for their life and say, I didn't know. When you did know, you're not going to be able to charm your way into heaven. You're not going to be able to tell God you didn't know because you know. And unfortunately, you can't blame God because he's given you everything that you need. Look at that. Look at where we are. He's saying that he's given his power to you inside of you so that you can do those things that he's asked you to do so that his will, that you would know his will and you would be able to do it. Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus in God, God in Jesus, we in Jesus. Wow. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? My brothers and sisters, I also, I, I thought about this. <clears throat> Abraham. Look at what Abraham was willing to do. He waited all of those years for Isaac. He finally gets Isaac and he knows that he knows that he knows. How does he know? Because God told him, that's the one. That's the one. And then the very God that promised him Isaac is the very one that's requiring him to sacrifice Isaac. And so what did Abraham do? He went to Mount Moriah. And at the base of that mountain, he told the servants, you wait here. Me and the boy will be back. He knew he was going up there to kill him and burn him. But he also knew that God, hey, remember that? But God. But God. He knew that God couldn't lie. He was absolutely convinced in his heart that God was going to have to bring him back to life when he offered him to God. What are you willing to do? Listen, let me ask you something. Can you stay off Facebook? Can you stay away from Instagram? Well, for some of us, it's easy because we're not into it. But we might be into something else, just like someone's into Facebook or Instagram. So we can go ahead and point our fingers at the Facebook people and Instagram people, but what about us? Can you stay off the couch and away from the TV? No, I'm not trying to be funny. I am not trying to be funny. Can you stay off of the games? I, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. And listen, I'm not trying to be accusatory. I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I'm not trying to you know, find what your, what your little thing is and, and just you know, fooey all over it. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But these are just examples. Look at where that is and look at where we are. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? Because here's what I, I want to see the power of God move like it moved back then. There's no reason why it shouldn't. He's the same. What's different? Us. I want to see the power of God. I want to see the Lord add to the church daily those who are being saved. I don't want to just see seats filled. I want to see you walk in the victory that he's given you. I don't want to see every little stumbling block that the enemy of your soul throws your way just take you down to the ground. For me either. I'm, not, I'm no different than you. I don't want, that to, I don't want his stumbling blocks to, to, to cause me to trip up either. What am I willing to do? What are we willing to do? I'm going to give you one more scripture and then we're going to go. This is Colossians 2. A little bit more lengthy. Beginning in verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
So what? Walk in him. That means live in him. He's in you, you're in him. God's in you, you're in God. Live in him. Rooted and built up where? In him. You're not going to get strong anywhere else spiritually, listen, unless it's in him. So watch. I'm going to pause there, so please hang on. I'm amazed at so many people who are in churches and so many times when people ask for counseling or you talk to people who are having trouble, okay, where are you in your studies? Uh, I, need, I haven't read in a while. How can you be growing in him? How could you be strengthening yourself, your, your spiritual strength? How could you be growing spiritually if you're not reading? Because look, I got to be in him. I got to follow him. I got to walk, right? They walked with him and talked with him for three and a half years and then they got his Holy Spirit down inside of them my uh, brothers and sisters, we didn't walk with Jesus physically for three and a half years. We didn't see the signs, wonders, and miracles that he performed personally. In fact, the, the Gospel of John, John says, there's so many things that he did, there's not a book in the world big enough to hold all of the miracles, the signs, and wonders that he did. We weren't there, we didn't see it, but here's what we have. So how in the world can we go ahead and grow strong spiritually? How in the world can we follow Jesus when we don't know where he's going or where he's been? We got to read. We got to read. Always comes down to that Tony. You say the same thing all the time. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help you out. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. What's in the faith mean? Or faith? No. Established in his teachings, what he's taught. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We ought to be the most thankful people on all the earth even in the middle of our tests and trials, knowing that we're not in it by ourselves. And we know that, listen, he's right there with us, and this came to pass. All things work together for good, for those who love the Lord, for those who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you. Here's the, here's the problem. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the ba basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Okay? That's the problem. You know, even Tony. Tony can get sidetracked based on what my thought is, my intellect, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, what I think. I could take the word maybe and maybe try to tweak it a little bit to make it fit what I wanted to say versus what it's actually saying. Or I can listen to somebody who I admire, uh, someone who I always have respected as a preacher or a teacher or whatever, and they maybe can get off track a little bit. So now I'm going to go ahead and consider someone else's. Or how about this? And I'm going to tell you honestly, um, when Michelle and I took that year off and we were, then we were talking about you know, uh, relaunching, I started looking at some of these successful church models. We even had, a, you guys know it, I testified, we even had a meeting with one of the leaders of the ARC movement, the uh, Association of Relative, Related Churches. We had a meeting with them and everything. And, we were, and, and I, I see what their model is. And I'm not criticizing it. I'm not, but, but my brothers and sisters, listen, it's, it, it's, there's so much business associated with it and psychology. And, and I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying that. So please, I am not being hypercritical of anybody. I, I really am not. But, but when I see scriptures like this, it, it makes me wonder because while I, f I filled the church, let's just say we filled this building, we, we were filled capacity, but only, you know, 10% of the people in here were saved. What good would that be? See, I want the, ch the Lord to add to the church daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, those who are being saved. 
Are you there? And that only happens because of that power that's working through us. We can't cheat ourselves or cheat somebody else by doing gimmicks, philosophies, and this and that, psychology, the whole nine yards. Are you with me? Come on, stay, stay lit. We're almost done. Okay, verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. What are you willing to do? I want God's power to be in me so that I can walk according to his will. I want God's power to be working through me so that I can give him glory among the people who live around us. I want to have God's power flowing through us when we're united. I want us to be in one accord because I know what happens when all of us get in one mind, in one accord, the hope that his, God's power increases exponentially. And then, listen, when that happens, the Holy Spirit moves. People, man, people are touched instantaneously. When they see you, they see us, they see our love that we have one for another, one mind, not complaining about each other, not husbands complaining about wives, wives complaining about husbands, you know, uh, parents complaining about kids, kids complaining about parents. No, one mind, one accord. Not that one said this, this one didn't hug me right, that one ignored me and all that. No, not that. Who cares? Let me ask you something. This is huge. Do I have the power in me to forgive even before that person asks me to forgive them? I have it in me. Do I obey it? See, that's huge. That's huge. Do I, uh, I have the potential in me, the power in me to love those people who do me wrong. Do I do it? Is it his will? It's his will, and he's given me the power. What am I prepared to do? Amen? Stand with me, please.